For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Coming You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and there's more squad rotation this week as Cole returns from his scouting trip. So Cole, you'll be wearing the captain's armband again. How are things with you, mate? Yeah, really good, mate. Um, obviously, very strange weekend when there's no football, isn't he? Don't quite know what to do with yourself, but we've got some stuff to look back on. So looking forward to this one. Absolutely. That means dropping a little deeper this evening is James. James, thanks for your sterling work last week. I hope you're ready for another run out. Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't consider myself dropped. I've just been just been moved further back, as you say. So, yeah, looking forward to this one. And also, another person making their second appearance of the season and hungry for first-team podcast action is Trevor Lloyd. So, Trev, it's a pleasure to have you back on board. How have things been since we last spoke? Yeah, all good. Thanks, mate. Uh, a lot different at Tottenham, that's for sure. Absolutely, yes. A lot has changed in those last, sort of, what, three months or so, but there's a lot to focus on tonight's show. So, before we do, let's get the social media bits out of the way first so we can dissect last week and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming New Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. We're on Twitter at COYS underscore COM and we're on all the major audio platforms that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc, etc. So, let's get down to business. And that business is the fact we're into the fifth round of the FA Cup. And Cole, although it was far from pretty, I guess being in the hat and preparing to face Norwich next month is all that matters. Yeah, that's right, Dan. I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you know, we, we can dissect the performance probably a little bit more in a minute. But as you say, the reality of cup football is it doesn't matter how you get there, just get into the next round. Um, and I think we'd all agree that, you know, if, if you said to us that come the end of May, we'd be lifting that FA Cup at Wembley and we won't have played really well throughout this whole campaign. I don't think anyone would sit here saying to you, no, nah, I'm not happy with that. You know, I'd rather we play well. Um, I did say I spoke to someone in the week after that and I must admit a very strange fan said to me that they would have rather lost that game playing a flamboyant style of football than actually having won it the way we did. And I have to say, when I speak to people like that, I kind of question what's going on in their mind because it's just like, the idea is you get through with a chance to win something. Um, all this about playing flamboyantly and losing, I just don't understand the mentality. So as you're rightly saying, we're in the hat. We've got a favourable home game upcoming next against Norwich, which we like to think, having beaten them there already once this season, we can do that again. And then before you know it, you're in the quarters and you're only a couple of games away from that glory that we desperately, desperately need as a club. Of course, James, it was almost an ideal start, especially from a goal point of view. You would have thought at that point, at home, you're in front, plain sailing. However, then again, it is Tottenham. So do you think that extra exertion from Sunday was perhaps a factor in our slightly sluggish performance in those first 60 minutes? Yeah, I, th I think Southampton were, were clearly the fresher side and, and you know, they, they had the better of, of the ball in the first, especially in the first half, you know, leading up to our goal, I can't I can't remember a chance that we had or, or even a, uh, a spell of possession that we had. So, you know, it was very impressive from a Southampton point of view. I thought they pressed the ball really well. They were clearly a, a little bit fitter and, and certainly a little bit more rested than we were. Um, because because of how high they pressed the ball, how hard they pushed us in midfield, um, and you could say we were a little bit fortunate to to take the lead. But you know, we, at the end of the day, we were the team that took the chance, uh, and and going ahead in the game gave us a massive massive boost because um, it was a long way back for Southampton from from then on. Um, you know, as I say, I think they they looked a lot better than us um, across the ground. Um, whether that was because of the players being exerted. After after such a heavy game against Man City at the weekend, um, you have to say fair enough because you know it, they put in a real shift against City. Um, the, the fact that City are probably a little bit better than us technically meant that that our lads had to had to dig a bit deeper than usual, and so um, it was it was obvious that there was going to be a little bit of an aftermath from that game. But uh, yeah, I thought they dug in really well, and uh, and we took our chances, which was the most important thing. Trev, there was something of a wake-up call when Danny Ings hit the bar. So, you know, you think, is there a lesson learned there? You'd hope so. Unfortunately, there wasn't. So when Shane Long nets that equaliser, how much stick do you have to give Hugo Lloris for pretty much pushing the initial shot right into his path? Uh, yeah, I thought he had a very strange game, Lloris. Uh, after Sunday, where he kind of kept us in the game for long periods, and then 
he just reverted back to his old self with his weird decision making and not holding on to the ball, not pushing it far enough or wide enough. And yeah, it, it was a very, very strange performance, I thought. But as I haven't been on here since Mourinho got appointed, I think the performances don't worry me that much, um, especially this season, until he can get you know, his own players in, his own stamp on things and um, work on his tactical game. Because at the minute, it's still very much a Pochettino-based um, squad. So um, obviously very happy to be in the next round and with a great chance to kick on with Norwich at home. Absolutely. So, Cole, it's level and then things go from bad to worse. A counter-attack turns into a goal. Well, actually, sorry, our chance turns into a goal. So looking back... I think you could say that Ings had Tanganga on toast with a finish. But more importantly, what could have been done in the build-up to that goal? Because we spoke about tactical fouls elsewhere last week. Is that a point where game management should have come in at some point? Yeah, you know, if you if you look at that goal again, Dan, there's a point, isn't there? And I think it's assessing on... And I know, obviously, Mourinho said after the game, didn't he, that there was a point where Dele Alli can bring, possibly bring Ings down, but he doesn't want to pick up another booking in case he misses the next round. But I think there's another player there as well, and Ings kind of steps through the two of them. You know, they kind of open up a gate and show him inside, um, which is the worst thing you can probably do. And as you say, there are times where you just say, do you know what, Listen, just bring the guy down on the halfway line. We get to reset. They have to try and pump it in or do something again, and we've kind of had a chance to recover. So as you say, it was looking back at that goal. If you dissect it, you could sort of say, well, I think a smart player probably brings him down. Someone like Sessignon possibly brings him down on the halfway line. You could even say, does Delhi sacrifice himself for the next round, possibly, if you're going to think that? But of course, sometimes it's hard to think of all those things in the moment. But I definitely think you had two defenders there that could have possibly made a decision just to bring him down. The same way that we kind of see people like Fernandinho and Fabinho do for Liverpool at times. It's not nice. People will say it's not the way football should be played. But at the same time, it is a way that you have to play if you want to be ruthless. Absolutely. And when we talk of game management, James... That was exactly the case when we went behind as we shifted from a back three or back five to a back four. So that was one that saw Jan Vertonghen subbed off. The Belgian looked quite a depleted figure, it must be said. So for him or for us, is that almost a dawning of time where we now sort of know or have got to the point where the Belgian's not going to be there next season? Uh, I think he's still got a massive role to play at the club. Um, I, I think... You know, he he was obviously upset when he came off, and and to to me it was more to do with his performance. I think any any player that gets pulled at that time in the game knows that it's probably because they they've been the weakest player on the pitch, and and especially with a manager manager like Jose Mourinho, um, there he, he is pretty ruthless when it comes to things like that. Think of, um, I think it was the uh, the Olympiacos game where he pulled Eric Dyer off to to change things around and. You know, I, I'm not sure it, it, it really does show that Vertonghen's time is up. I think it was just down to him being um, the, the weak link on the day. His performance wasn't good enough. And, and as you say, for a tactical reshuffle, um, reading reading into it more, does it mean that you know he's, he thinks it's going to be the end of his career just because he's had a poor performance against Southampton in the Cup? I, I wouldn't go that far. I still think he has a massive role to play at the club. He's... he's he might not be the, the centre-half that he was for us in years gone by. He probably won't even start. Um, but he's still got a role to play. You know, There's so many games to play in a season, especially with us going into the last stage of the Champions League, the last stage of the FA Cup. Um, we're going to need him um, rotation-wise. And, and even at his, the stage of his career that he's at, uh, to have a centre-back as, as good as Jan Vertonghen, to replace him would, would, would cost us money that we don't want to spend. So, you know, I, I think maybe offer him a one-year contract extension, keep him at the club just that little bit longer until we can get players like Tanganga and maybe even Foyt through to, to, to playing a higher level uh, and then and then move him on. But for us to say that his career is, is over and that he was dejected um, and, and knew that it was the end just because of a bad performance against Southampton, I think it's jumping the gun a little bit. He was obviously upset, but you know any player would be upset with the performance that that, that they'd put in there. Players like Deli Ali kicking off when he gets substituted. No one likes being subbed, and especially at that early stage in the second half. So I think you know he's definitely got a role to play at the club, and uh, let's not speak too soon about Jan. 
Trev, when we talk about time being done, thankfully ours wasn't. And you'd have to say that substitutions turned the game. So one of those was Gedson Fernandes. Now, I think it'd be unfair to say that he was the game changer. But what did you make of his contribution? And more importantly, what can he offer us in the final third of the season? Uh, yeah, very good. Um, when he first come on, I don't. I think for the first five minutes he was very quiet. But then he, he grew into the game well. Closed out very good. A um, few skills. Uh, got us further up the pitch, drew some fouls, which was um, important for us to close. But um, in terms of the depth, I think, uh, of the midfield, I think this season he could especially help, um, especially with the form and worry that is Eric Dyer. Uh, but the less said there, the better, I think. Um, but yeah, um, hopefully um, he can kick on from that because it was encouraging. And Cole, Deli Ali has made the headlines for the wrong reason. We'll get to them in a minute. But what did you make of his overall cameo? Because I guess he laid on, what, two perfect passes, which led to goal-scoring chances. When you want someone to take the game by the scruff of the neck, that's exactly the performance he offered. That's right, Dan. I think, you know, Deli Ali's been very frustrating over the kind of last few weeks. You know, obviously, when Mourinho come in, it looked like he kind of managed to find that old Deli Ali. Um, but then, obviously, that kind of tailed off after a couple of games. And he's kind of become his old frustrating self again, like he was at the beginning of the season and end of last season. Um, but the performance he put in when he come on, there's no doubt, let's say, he changed the game, you know, and he suddenly provided that spark and kind of obviously him coming on allowed Mora and that to kind of drop a little bit and into his favourite position. So you can't knock him on those sorts of performances. You know, if he comes on and does that and suddenly if next week he gets a start and is, you know, starts doing those sorts of things like that through ball for the, the son to take on and get the penalty he was a great through ball. You know, he even manages to nutmeg the referee at one point in the build up to that goal. You know, there were some nice touches and, you know, you can't moan if Deli Ali's producing that sort of performance. I think the real issue with him at the moment becomes when he kind of starts games and he's trying flicks when he shouldn't do flicks, not how, you know, not kind of like laying passes off when he should do. And if you like becoming what almost seems to be like a bit of a passenger um, to the side at certain points. But there's no doubt in that he changed that game. So, you know, again, we have to say that's just hope. That's the sort of performance that gives him a little kick and a little boost. Although, as you're going to, we're going to talk about, you know, he's probably knocked himself back, you know, a couple of, you know, a couple of steps um, this week. But, yeah, no arguments with what he did. And, and he did. He changed the game and possibly helped get us through to that next round. And James, also... uh, Sorry, guys. Uh, regarding uh, Deli Ali, um, would you use him as kind of our Coutinho, as in, you know, they sold Coutinho for... But funny you say that, Trev, because I just put a tweet out tonight in a conversation, I think you're in on Twitter, where, yeah. for me, I would use Ali in the summer, um, Delhi as that player that I think we can still get quite a bit of money for, um, given his age and possible transfer value. And, and I think he's the player we can replace if we, you know, take the money we get from him and spend it wisely. So if you look at the situation with Ericsson and what's happened there and how we've lost out there, I think we might have to bite the bullet as fans and say as much as we love these players there does come a point where you think actually we may need to move one of these on even when they're considered in their prime years to get some money and help for the greater call so he would be one I'd do that with yeah I definitely think that was one of Pochettino's downside, uh, downfalls was that he was too loyal to players like when Dyer was linked with Man United for what was it 50-60 million we turned that down and now look where Dyer is now. He's a shadow of his former self. So I agree with that. It's a very good point you raise, and I'll throw it to James as well. So James, would you have Deli Ali as your sacrificial lamb in the summer? I think if it was out of out of Deli Ali, Son, and, and Harry Kane, then it would be an unfortunate yes. Um, you know, he's he's the one player that probably doesn't really have a role in the system that Mourinho wants to play. Um, you know he, he can play in it, and, and he certainly be he can be used as that kind of driving force in midfield. Um, but he certainly doesn't have a have a role to play in the front three. Uh, but it all comes down to how that money would be reinvested. You know, exactly. it, it comes down to you know we sold Gareth Bale for what was at at the time an absolutely huge transfer fee, and 
you know, the, the the players that we brought in were were just substandard. You know, we got lucky with, with the likes of Ericsson and, and I guess you'd say Lamella as well. Um, but you know, the the money just wasn't reinvested properly. If if we were going to go out, uh, sell Dali Ali and bring in a world class centre back and and a world class defensive midfielder, um, you know, spend a lot of money on on fewer players, then it'd make a lot of sense. But you know, it lead it need a lot of planning ahead because you need to have these targets identified. We we'd need to know that the, the moves were possible. Because otherwise, you know, we we would leave ourselves open to to selling Deli Ali and then being left with a massive war chest, but no one to to go and to go and get. Um, so you know, for me, Deli Deli's a, a really special player um, on his day, but he, he can he, you know he can have too way too many off days. Um, that can be said about so many great footballers down the years, though. You know, look at the David Ginola conversation, where people some say that he's the greatest that, that, that we've ever seen uh, in the Premier League at Tottenham. But also, you know, it, it's, it's failed to point out that he had so many off days. You know, it's, it's the same as Deli Ali. He, he can be absolutely unplayable on his day, but then go dis- go go completely invisible for the next four games. So, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting one. Um, I, I I can't see us selling Deli Ali, but if it was, you know, if if I had to pick one out of Kane, Ali, uh, and Son, then it would be unfortunately a no-brainer. Yeah, I think you make a very good point in the sense that. You know, there is, I guess, logic to selling Ali. We're not sort of saying fundamentally get rid of him, but if there was um, the necessity to get some funds in to hopefully progress the score further, then you'd look at that and think out of your main top tier players, that's probably the one you could still get on with in life and, you know, not have too much of a dip. However, then you want your club to spend that money properly, which we haven't really known in the past. So that's always the, the danger that just because you've got 100 million, there's no guarantee you'll spend it wisely. Also, then other clubs will know you've got that money, so other targets then become even more expensive. So it's not just cut and dry of selling one player, getting that money, making your team better. Because if it is, you'd just be sort of selling key men every couple of seasons. So, Trev, let's expand on this point a little bit. If we were to sell Dele Alley, what kind of clubs would be going for him? Because there was always that kind of question over Ericsson in the sense that, yes, he, he wants to go to the top-tier clubs, and those top-tier clubs would be Barcelona Real Madrid. Has Deli Ali performed well enough to be in that same top tier conversation? Like, where would you see him p- going if you would say get hundred million on the table? Um, uh, well, where would Deli Ali go to? Yeah, I mean, logically, like, where could you see him going if he's if he's looking for a bigger club or who's going to come in with hundred million? Is he worth hundred million with his current performances? There's a lot of sort of questions that come out of that. I think he's, I think he's too inconsistent to be especially the last two or three seasons. I mean, I kind of gave him a pass last year because, you know, he had a lot of hamstring injuries. I think it was about three he had in the end. Um, but I don't think he's worth over $100 million, no. Uh, regarding club, um, maybe, a, well, it depends if Pochettino goes to Man United, I can see him ending up there. Or is he good enough for Real Madrid? Uh, not really. Barcelona don't think it'd fit in their system, so I don't know. Um, I think he, Man United, if Pochettino went in there, perhaps, but uh, I don't know. That's a quite a difficult question, I think. Well, it is. And Cole, let's play devil's advocate a bit more. So, if he does go to Manchester United, Trev's given the green light to sell him. Do we then make a perceived Premier League rival stronger? Is that something we don't really want to go down that kind of route? Obviously, your initial reaction, Dan, isn't it, is to say, yes, you don't want to, you never want to make a Premier League rival stronger. But then at the same time, we could look and sort of say, well, you might have to sacrifice that for the greater good for your club. Um, if you could say to me now that you could get 85 million to say 90 million for Delhi Alley um, in the summer because Man United go for him, and then you could tell me that would free up funds where we could then go and get Grealish. Possibly someone like Ndidi from Leicester or Pereira, the fullback at Leicester, and suddenly you bring in those sort of two caliber players for Delhi Alley, then I'd argue that, okay, we may have made Man United slightly stronger, but we've also made ourselves greatly stronger in that mix by bringing two quality players in. As you rightly say, the problem we have is we know the club isn't run like that. And the chances are we'd sell Deli Ali for 90 million and we'd bring in a midfielder, attacking midfielder from Ginningham 
for like 1.2 million a 17 year old you know and then in theory yes you've made a, a you know a rival stronger but you haven't improved your own squad in in the great enough detail at that point so you know yeah I, I would do it even if it meant making a rival stronger I can see Trev's logic with Man United as you say if you know Poch goes somewhere we know they've got a close relationship so he'll probably definitely follow there maybe but then you could be looking at one of the Italian clubs couldn't you know, Juventus in Milan seem to be liking taking English players at the moment you know they've taken one off us maybe they could take another um, but I, I would, even if it was United, if we could get the right money and, you know, Levy can give the transfer dealing to someone else for a change, then yes, I'd, I'd take it. James, I think, I think, I think one destination that we're, we're missing out on is maybe, maybe PSG. I think that, that'd be yeah, uh, the, the kind of place where Delhi, if he was to leave, I feel like it'd suit him um, as a club. You know, he could go over there, he could have a bit of fun. Um, he could he could do the flicks and the tricks that that he doesn't get away with uh, in the Premier League, um, and and he gets to play with with like-minded players, players like Neymar who are there not really to to be successful, but just to you know keep their name in lights, uh, so to speak. So I think I think that'd be a, a, a good destination uh, if he was to leave. But you know we are, we are all speaking too soon, and um, maybe it's because of recent events that we're looking at Delhi um, through you know a, a, a different. Um, different rose tinted specs, if uh, if you know what I'm saying. Okay, well now we're talking about Deli Ali, we might as well move on to uh, his, I guess, well furore that he's created on social media over the past few days. So, Cole, I'll throw it back to you. That spot of bother, he's obviously then put an apology out quite quickly. But has the damage been done? Especially now the FA have taken interest in the situation. Massively, Dan. Unfortunately, we live in this world, don't we? That with social media, you put something out there, it's captured straight away and no matter what apology you put out, you know, Bernardo Silva has been made the example of, hasn't he, at City. So you can't see the FA not following the same sort of path and punishment that they gave him. Um, and you could sort of say the most annoying thing here is that, you know, whether he should have done it or not, you know, there's you can make lots of arguments. The reality is, though, he should know by now that as a Premier League footballer with the kind of profile he's got, you can't do and post stuff like that on social media because it will be seen, it will get blown up um, and you will be made possibly a scapegoat and the demands will be there from everybody, parents, you know, other rival fans that he gets dealt with and punished. So you do have to question what was going through his head when he posted that because he, you know, he should know by now, you know, we're not talking about a seven-year-old he should know by now, you know, he's been caught like this before with stuff. So he should just be smarter and just think, listen, steer clear. You know, maybe, you know, not trying to, even if you're going to do it, um, keep it private with people that you know. But don't social media stuff like this because you're asking for trouble. And if he's dealt with the way Bernardo Silva was dealt with, I don't think anyone would have any complaints. Well, that's going to lead me to my next question. So, James, I believe at the time of recording, the club have refused to comment on the issue. So if they have, apologies. But do you think his agent or the club's hierarchy have had a word with him? And if so, what do you think the internal and or external punishment will be? Um, I think, first of all, I think there will be an external punishment. I think, you know, if, if Bernardo Silva um, was found guilty, so to speak, for, for his um, incident, then I think it would be, Hypocritical for them to 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 not find um, Deli Ali uh, guilty, just as guilty, and and I think the exact same punishment would um, would fit the bill. Um, that said, I think he probably won't need punishing. I think Mourinho um, especially will, and you know, and the the innards of the club will have will have given him the talking to that he needs. Um, they'll have they'll have you know, Deli himself will know straight away that that he's made a mistake and. Um, and that the repercussions of whatever they may be, he's going to have to just hold his hands up and take them. Um, so I, I can't see it being taken any further. It'll be a slap on the wrist. It'll be um, you know another lesson learned. But as Carl rightly says, he, he you know he's, he's a big boy. He should he should have learned his lesson by now. And uh, and it is uh, indefensible. And unfortunately, you know it, it's a it's a cheap laugh. Uh, and and it, and it's and it was pointless. He just didn't need to do it. Um, so you know, it, it's a slap on the wrist, and uh, and and you know, whatever punishment he does, 
um, he does face, then I, I, I don't think we can argue about it. And Trev, let's try and flip it back to the positives of Deli Ali. Let's go back to Wednesday when we beat Southampton. After the game, he said that as a team, we deserve to win a trophy. However, no one's going to give it to us, which is quite right. So do you think this is finally the season where we break that silverware hoodoo? Can you now see us winning the FA Cup? Well, as always, you need a bit of luck. And uh, we're definitely riding our luck in it this season. Um, and as we talked about, Norwich at home, you know, obviously it's going to be tricky. We've played them there already. But we obviously should be favourites for it. And I hope so. Yeah, I've never seen us win the FA Cup, so it would be nice to... Uh, see us lift it so um yeah let's hope so and James if you throw it back to the game Lucas we spoke about him last week obviously he scored are we hoping for more of the same in his last sort of further season it was a very welcome contribution but I guess we just keep needing more and more don't we yeah of course it's it's a really difficult one with Lucas because just as you're you're midway through slagging him off and saying how, how he's had such a poor game uh, and he shouldn't be our centre-forward, this, that and the other, then he pops up with a goal or he pops up with a moment of magic that makes you think there is there is something special about this guy. Um, I, I think it's you know the general consensus is that he he, he shouldn't be leading the line for us. He, he doesn't fit um, our mould. We need uh, a number nine that, that can that can stand the ball up and, and can make a nuisance of himself in the box. Um, but, you know, you, you can't fault the guy for, for the effort that he's putting in. He's playing out of position. He, he said... Um, you know, in interviews earlier this season, that he much prefers playing on the wing, and, and he didn't, and he felt like he was wasted by Pochettino playing down the middle. Um, but you know, yeah, he's still being played in that role by by Jose Mourinho. Uh, you know, the guy never stops working for the team, and 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 you know, as as Tottenham fans, we, we'll never fault him for that. Um, it, it's it's not ideal, but he's making the best out of a bad situation, and if he keeps on contributing. The way he contributed against Southampton with a you know an absolutely brilliant goal, I thought really great composure from the edge of the box. Um, then there's no reason why he can't be you know knocking on the door to, to be that that main striker. Um, you know, uh, me personally, it's it's an area that needs addressing. We need someone else who can lead that line. But if Lucas Moura is going to be the man coming off the bench, which is which is ideal if if you ask me, running at tired legs. Um, then that's fine with me because you know he's, he's, he's clearly got something a little bit special, uh, and it, and he always seems to pop up at the uh, at the most important moments. And that was another really really important goal against Southampton. Well, Trev, when it comes to Tottenham, things are never easy. We know that a late winner from Sun in the 87th minute. What did you make of the penalty decision? Without trying to be too overly biased, in my opinion, there was not a great deal of contact from Angus Gunn, but certainly enough. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, it's a penalty. It's a penalty. I always go back to how I would feel if it was given against us. Would I be angry or would I accept it? I'd accept that one. That was a penalty. There's enough contact there for him to go down. And I don't see why he would go down because he, he had an open goal. So, um, yeah, stonewaller for me. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that one, Trev. So, Cole, credit to Sun, who stepped up and nestled home from 12 yards to get the winner. I guess that 25-minute turnaround was crucial because a lot of people, and quite understandably, were getting their knife sharpened on social media at that point. You're sort of looking at it thinking, we dumped out the cup. The only silverware that we could now get is the Champions League, which is going to be quite difficult. Is this not just that game, but in the last weeks, so let's take the Man City game into account as well. Have we turned the corner or, or have we had just a massive dose of good fortune in those two matches? That's a really good question, Dan, because you kind of think, you know, the performances and, and especially that performance against Southampton didn't fill you with any kind of confidence that this is a team that's ready to now kind of turn the corner and get going again. You know, if we're all being brutally honest, the, re the, the reality of that is, is we got away with one massively because Southampton probably should have had that game buried before it got to that, you know, those substitutions and that changes. But... Again, momentum is massive in football, isn't it? And that's two wins. You know, you beat Man City as well. You know, keep a clean sheet and beat a team like that. That can only give you confidence. You come back and then get through in the cup, which you like to think, again, breeds a little bit of confidence. And you now, you know, with this rest that we've had where the players have gone away and kind of, you know, can get some holiday time, you know, maybe get on the training pitch and work a little. And Mourinho gets a bit of time to actually kind of implement some stuff he wants to. I think it's easy to forget that he hasn't had that much time in between games with these players. So I'd like to think that those two results can spread enough confidence amongst the players where we start to see, you know, an upturn in results. 
I guess the issue is now we've got two massive games coming up in the league, haven't we, that really could define our season, you know, because Villa away won't be easy. And then we've obviously got Chelsea away. And, you know, that is a performance where, you know, I, I think, you know, your top four is possibly resting on that. And a poor result and performance in those games could just throw the season down the drain. So I think we really need, you know, to see these players come back refreshed. Hopefully it can be like a bit of a mini pre-season and we kick on and get going. But I'm a little bit wary because like I say I'm not seeing performances that fill me with confidence at the moment. So, Trev- hey, sorry, Dan. To piggyback on on top of that, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, as I said, um, performance-wise this season, I don't, I'm not really focusing too much on that. But what I liked uh, against City and Southampton was, you know, that the fight seems to be back. That little grit and you know standing up for each other, especially when um, uh, Sterling dived uh, trying to win another penalty. It was nice seeing. You know, the players fight for each other and then Alderweireld getting the fans going. We haven't seen that for, well, probably the entire season. So that that was good to see again. But performance, again, for me, it's it's not a massive worry this season. That will come next season. And if they continue into next season, then that's when I'll start to, uh, to question it. Yeah, I guess you've almost got, like you said earlier, Pochi's squad, but now Mourinho's methods. And you've sort of got really neither of the best at the moment. So fundamentally, you're just looking at a results sort of basis, really. I think that's what is going to be the yardstick. Yes, you want to play the best football and easy on the eye, but really, if you're grinding out wins and you're niggly and you get the job done, then you can't have too many complaints at the same time. At the same time, though, Trev, next season, if you're not really seeing anything and we don't, say, finish top four this season, we miss out in the FA Cup, then this, there might be a, a few sort of ranklings about you know what's happening on the pitch. But it'll, t- it'll come in time. I think we just need to be a little bit patient, but... Time is not really a commodity you get in football in this day and age. However, James, in other news, our manager's had a haircut. So you can tell that the uh, there's no fixture. This is the kind of news that's circulating around social media. Is this the effects of working in North London or is this just man has short haircut? I think it's obviously the latter. Um, <laughs> I mean, obviously what, what's been going around is that um, we've, we've managed to stress Mourinho out so much that he's, he's had some kind of Britney Spears type meltdown and, and shaved his own head. Um, but you know he's 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 a great bloke, Mourinho. I, I actually you know I've really warmed to him. Maybe that's because he's got a Spurs shirt on. But you know I was I was really not a fan of him before, even when he was announced as the Tottenham manager. I, I really wasn't a fan of the guy, and I. And I it is going to take a lot for me to completely warm to him, but he's he's doing he's doing a lot for for you know in the right direction. I think he's a really good bloke, and I think um, you know this is just another thing that maybe he's trying to take the pressure off his players a little bit by getting the headlines onto himself, or you know it's something that uh, Fergie used to do so much. You know he'd, he'd say something stupid on purpose in his post-match interview just so that that the tabloids would be talking about him rather than talking about his players' performances. So you never know if it's some kind of crazy tactic like that, but um, either way, <laughs> Jose never fails to uh, to entertain. And Trev- oh, I had to laugh, Dan. I saw someone on Twitter today saying that he's tried to get his hair cut as close to Daniel Levy so that he can understand the transfer policy that might be coming his way. I thought that one was very, very good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe they're trying to be bald in, uh, in stereo. <laughs> Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Trev? Now, I know you were referencing on Twitter the other day, actually, about Harry Kane and his fitness. Now, as far as he goes, we seem to be in this worrying cycle of injury-prone, but then superhuman recovery. And the latter gets everyone really excited because you're like, yes, he's beating his return targets and get him in the team, etc., etc. So, with that in mind, I guess that will come around, hopefully. You know, we'll get to, say, April, and there might be a hint of him playing the last four games, what have you. Is that what we actually should be striving for? Does he need rest? Does he miss the Euros? If you're sort of in charge of injury management, what do you do with the talisman? I would love for him to rest for the whole season and miss the Euros. But selfishly, as a Tottenham fan and as an England fan, you know, you want your best players playing. So, And, and especially Harry Kane, he's not going to want to miss a major tournament you know, that's being hosted, you know, here at Wembley. So um, it's a tough one. Uh, but like, um, mm, I'd, I'd, I'd want him to sit the season out. 
because you know we rushed rushed him back. Well, we didn't rush him back, but we didn't have any match fitness going in to the Champions League game, and you could see that. Um, and then a lot of our fans jumped on that and blamed that. And you know, Harry don't deserve that. He just you know he wants to play a Champions League final. That's not that's not his that's not his fault. That's just who he is. But um, I can see I can actually see him coming back earlier. Um, end of March, perhaps, but um, I'd like him to miss the rest of the season. But like I said, as a Tottenham and England fan, selfishly, you know, you want to see Harry Kane out there as soon as possible. Well, I guess, James, you're sort of damned if you do and damned if you don't, because if he is, let's say, fit, and that fit could be, you know, a Harry Kane 70% fit, then there's going to be a clamour for him to play. And then you're sort of thinking, how can you put him on the bench? There's always that awkward conversation to have. There's going to be another awkward conversation in the summer because I can't really see Gareth Southgate saying, you know what, Harry, you sit this one out. But it is quite obvious that he does need rest. Then again, us and a nation, we don't really have that luxury to go, oh, actually, Harry, it's absolutely fine. We don't need you. So, you know, what do you do? Well, it's it's a bit deja vu, isn't it, from, uh, from, from the summer. But, you know... It, we really don't want to rush this guy back because we are in, in the territory now where we, especially with a hamstring injury, we're in the territory where you might ruin this guy's career. Um, so, you know, it's it's all about getting the right balance. Maybe uh, maybe if he is fit for the last two or three games of the season, ease him in, give him, give him the last 10 minutes, give him the last 20 minutes, then maybe start him the last game of the season. But, you know... I, I, it all depends on the way our season is going. I think it, if we, if it does come down to the wire in terms of Champions League qualification, then we could be in a little bit of trouble because naturally panic mode kicks in and, and throwing Harry Kane back in is is a, an obvious solution to that. Um, but it also make, it makes him a, a scapegoat it, it, for, for Tottenham not doing well. You know, look at the Champions League final. We we didn't perform as well as we as we could have, and the fact that Harry Kane was was leading the line was was made the scapegoat for that. So that that kind of did anything for his confidence. And you know, if he's coming back and he knows he's not fully fit, he's not going to be scoring goals. And it and it that's you know it's it's a downward spiral for a striker if you're not scoring goals, you're, you're not playing with confidence, and it's only only going to get worse. So uh, I, I agree with what Trev says. I'd I'd hopefully give Harry the season out um, but that relies on us being able to, to secure Champions League qualification without him um, and then hopefully Gareth Southgate is sensible with him in, in the summer and if he does take him to the Euros which I'm, I'm, I'm positive he will um, hopefully he doesn't throw him in at the deep end and, and make him play all game every game because you know there are there are options behind Harry um, but you know just hopefully he doesn't he, he's sensible with him and, and, and thinks about his career rather than thinking about the short, short term but then that's where, that's where Tottenham are at fault as well, though, because what Harry Kane got injured first of January, I think it was Southampton. Yeah, that's right. We, we had we had the whole month to get a replacement in, and we didn't do it. And you know, I don't know, obviously don't know Kane personally, but I can see him, you know, thinking, well, now I've got to get back, get fit, get ready because we're short-handed, and you know, if we had got a striker in maybe he could have not rushed back as quick and thought, and especially if we're doing well, then he could, you know, say, all right, I'll, I'll miss the rest of this campaign and gradually pay my way in for England. But, you know. I think that's the bigger problem, isn't it? If you look at Kane now, that, that guy is going to have goals. He wants to beat Alan Shearer's record. So any length of timeout is going to cause him a problem there because he needs to be scoring goals for fun every season to catch that. You've also got to look at if you've got a chance to captain your country in a home international tournament, pretty much, then that is probably only going to come in once maybe in your career's life cycle, isn't it? So we know he's driven. And when you look at England injury problems with forwards now, I should imagine he probably feels a bit of pressure as the England captain to get back to make sure he's leading that line. Um, and, and I think we probably won't see him in a Spurs shirt that often, but he will lead the line for England at the Euros. And we just have to have fingers crossed at that point that, you know, nothing happens and he gets through it. Um you know, maybe the stick that other supporters give him, it would be nice to see him not turn up and we don't score the goals. So we can finally say, well, there you go. You've been giving this guy grief all the time, but without him, you know, we, we don't do what we need to do. But I think, I think he'll be back 
for that for that Euros. And I, I, to be honest, I, I know what the guys are saying about top four, but I think by the time Kane comes back, that top four will have been decided already, to be honest. Yeah, I think you might be right in that sense. So, Cole, let's put our three line shirts on. If Gareth Southgate does call him up and he is fit, could you see him maybe managing his minutes in the group stage and saying, actually, we don't really need you until maybe the third group stage game or the, the round of 16? Is there sort of sense that he can be sort of eased back into the fold? I guess the problem is, again, like I say, it depends how much, say, Harry Kane has in it himself, doesn't it? You know, because I think you get the impression that Kane is one of those people who doesn't want to sit out if he feels he's fit enough to do a job. So if Southgate says to him before the group stage starts, how are you feeling? I can't see Harry Kane possibly saying, well, I'll tell you what, boss, ease me in. You know, I won't play these couple of games because he'll be looking for a golden boot again, won't he? So if he thinks you're playing opposition where he can fill his boots, he'll want in on that. Um, and I think he's just the sort of player that if he actually feels he's fit enough in himself, he'll ask and say he wants to play. And maybe that's been his downfall with us over the years, isn't it? You know, the sort of like bringing him on at places like Tranmere when you're already 5-1 up and you're sitting there thinking, why are you bringing this guy on right now? The game is won. But then if he's in Potch's ear saying, listen, I want to get on because I want to score goals here. You, you, maybe we haven't managed him as well as we should have done in the past, you know, 4-0 up at home after 70 minutes. Get the guy off, give him the rest. You know, have to say to him, listen, I'm protecting you as well for your own benefit here. So maybe there'll be something where Harry possibly might need to learn his limitations himself as he gets a little bit older. And, you know, but I guess if you're going for records, then, you know, time is precious, isn't it? So you want to play every minute you can. Absolutely. I guess, you know, it's a fantastic attribute to have and you should never take that away from a player. But it's all about trying to just be looking at the bigger picture and say, look, you know, we need you for later in the season. We need you for next season. I think, you know, looking back now, hindsight is wonderful. But like you say, like, did he need to be going in blood and thunder every 90 minutes? Probably not. But I guess this is the situation that has been made. And James, another situation that's been made came from the move from White Hot Lane. And Danny Rose has been in the media again because he said that he misses the old White Hot Lane. We made it a fortress and now it's just gone. So what do you make of that latest soundbite? And are we going to get more and more over the next few months? Admittedly, as interesting as it is, is there almost a sort of element of spurned lover now? Yeah, it's it's a little bit, leave it. You know, Danny, just concentrate on your football. You've got the move away that, that could rescue your career because your career is on a, on a, tra- a downward trajectory. Um, this is a really good move for him. You know, Newcastle, it's a, it's a good club. It's run well, well, kind of well. Uh, and you know it's a really big chance for him to to fight for that England place because if it's if it's not now it's never. Um, but if he's going to spend his whole time up in Newcastle talking about Tottenham uh, rather than concentrating on his uh, on his game and concentrating on getting fitter and, and playing better, uh, then you know his career is just going to go go down the pan. So uh, it, it's it's a weird one. He, he clearly still has some love for Tottenham. Because he wouldn't be talking about us at all. Um, the interview that he's given this week, I, I can't pick a fault with it. I think everything he said was absolutely true. Um, you know, we did make White Hart Lane a fortress. It is heartbreaking that it's gone. Um, but you know, things change, and and it's and, and it you know it was time to move on. Um, the only thing is I am now waiting with bated breath as many are that, that there are going to be more interviews with Danny Rose and more and more is going to come out that, that maybe we, we don't like as much as, as what he said this week. There's going to be more home truths. There's going to be more um, ins and outs that maybe we didn't want to hear. Um, but, you know, it, for me, Danny, just, just get your head down, concentrate on your football uh, and you know, I, there's no, no one saying that his career at Tottenham is, is completely over. I think you know he's he's done it before, where he's gone and had a loan spell uh, and come back even better. That Sunderland, that Sunderland loan, absolutely made him what he is today. Um, so there's no reason why he can't go and rediscover a bit of form. But um, he has to concentrate uh, on the field rather than rather than trying to get his name in the papers. Yeah, I'd have to. Agree I should with be that. queuing up outside Waterstones the day his autobiography is released. <laughs> uh, that's in the basket on pre-order that one because he's going to let rip when he gets a chance, isn't he? Carl, while you're there, how many good chip shops have you found in London over the years? Well, I've found a few, Dan, <laughs> but I suppose you can't you can't argue that they probably do it a little bit better up north, can you? There's no, there's no disappointment in that. But yeah, I mean, there's little comments like that that you kind of just go, God, Danny, come on, 
mate. You're kind of, you know, what are you talking about? But I, I don't think we'll ever see him in a Spurs shirt again. You know, I think this loan now is, is the end of his career. I know, obviously, James and his loans at Sunderland and that, but I think that was while he was finding his feet. I, you know, I think there's too much gone there now. I think Levy wanted him out. He probably wanted to go. It's clear Jose didn't fancy him. And I, I'd be very surprised if that loan doesn't go permanent at the end. Good luck to him. He's been a great servant. Whether people like him being outspoken or not, you can't win, can you? When players are not outspoken, people say, well, I wish these players had come out and, and tell us some real things rather than, you know, the media trained, boring answers to questions. I don't think anyone really could disagree with the whole, like, you know, Googling players and stuff like that. That was just the player who was frustrated that he knew this team was at a point that could really go on and become special and it needed a different type of transfer policy then. And he just let his frustrations out. But, you know, I suppose you just say thanks for the service, the same as with Ericsson. Thanks for your service. Best of luck to you now in your new endeavours. And it's just a shame that they couldn't go down in, as Spurs legends by bringing a title or more trophies. Right, let's look ahead to Sunday because we've actually got a game. So, Trev, what for you is the lineup? Is it something nearer Man City or nearer the Southampton game? No, definitely the City game. Um, yeah. Um, is it Ber Bergvine? Bergvine? Yeah, we'll go Bergvine. Yeah. Uh, he. He was phenomenal for his first game on Sunday. Uh, so, yeah, he would definitely come back in. Uh, with Ben Davis now back, I think that creates a bit of a problem for Mourinho because he's been playing Tanganga out there. Do you keep him out there and put Davis at centre-back or do you swap them? And then, obviously, Sanchez misses out, who hasn't had the best season. Um, but, yeah, I'd say closer to the, the Man City game for sure. Um, Whoever's got that job of keeping Grealish quiet will be uh, very interesting, especially if Deli Ali does get a ban uh, for his uh, Snapchat video. So, um, yeah, uh, interesting team. But I think I'd go with Ben Davis left back and I'd push uh, Tendanga next to um, Alderweire. It's an interesting shout. I'll stay with you, Trev. The middle of the park, the Celso and Winks. Is that a bit too lightweight away from home? Do you need another body or are you going with those two again? I'd go with them two again. Uh, I like, I like the partnership. Let them let them build it up. I think um, Dyer's a, a no for me. Um, he's just completely lost it. Um, but yeah, um, Lacelso can do the dirty work. I mean, he loves putting in a tackle, and um, Winksy's not shy of putting one in either. But so um, I'd go with them too, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right in the sense that we've got to stop chopping and changing. I think you've got to really just. You know, nail your colours to the mask, pick a combination. I like what they did against Man City, so roll the dice again, and hopefully these two can sort of start playing off each other and we can actually have a, a fearsome duo. James, talking about feared, should Aston Villa be feared? Because they're hovering around the drop zone, but they're in desperate need for points, albeit for a slightly different reason. So, any concern for Sunday? Uh, slight concern, um, especially from my end, where I am cornered on all sides by Aston Villa fans. Oh dear! Um, so you know, I, I live only twenty minutes from the ground. I'm I am in deep trouble if we don't get a result this weekend. So uh, yeah, so pray for me. But I, I think the only thing we need to be concerned about is 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 obviously Jack Grealish. Um, that the new striker Samad, he's he's not he doesn't look great. I watched him against Bournemouth and he, he wasn't fantastic. Uh, and they've got two like very similar wingers in, in El Ghazi and Trezeguet that I think we could we could probably do a job on. So, um, you know, it is just shutting Jack Grealish down in midfield, whether he plays out wide, which, which he's a little bit wasted when he plays out wide. But if he does play in the middle, he, he needs to be shut down. But as you rightly say, we shut down Kevin De Bruyne and uh, and Gundogan, you know, we were we were very good against Man City at, at dominating the midfield, and that's with two you'd call lightweight players in La Celso and Winks. Um, so you know, as long as we target Jack Grealish, there's no John McGinn to, to think about. So um, certainly, there's there's you know th there's a game to be dominated there. I think um, the the only thing we've got to be wary about is is the kind of cornered animal effect where they they are backs to the wall. Um, they are scrapping for their lives, and so you know they they might pull something out of the bag. But um, if we go and we play our game and we look to dominate midfield, and 
and target players like Jack Grealish and, and try and get forward, then there's no reason why we can't come away with three points. And due to being close by, are you planning on going to the game yourself, James? Uh, if I can grab myself a spare ticket, it's only 20 minutes down the road. So, uh, so I, hopefully, fingers crossed. If not, um, I'll probably get down for a bit of atmosphere. But, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in big trouble if, uh, if we don't get a result this weekend, mate. I can tell you that. And, Cole, if we win, we cut the gap to Chelsea to a point. Of course, they play a night later. So, is this the time to get on that monster run and ask questions of our crosstown rivals? I think so, definitely. I think I think this is one of those, you know, for me, this game's a real key game because it's, you know, away from home, a team that, you know, you're looking at really saying we should be beating these if we've got aspirations to top four. But as the guys have already said, you know, they won't be a pushover. And I think this is one of those key points that will be a key point in our season because, you know, this is, again, another one of those times where you think, right, we can really kind of put some pressure on someone like Chelsea now. And we just need to put a performance in. And so far, when we've been, you know, that that there's been that pressure to put a performance on, we've kind of dropped short. So I actually think this game against Villa is a real test of where we are and the character we've got. Because I think it's going to be hard. It's going to be horrible. But we should be beating these teams. And we need to step up and make sure we do and put that pressure on Chelsea. And then, like as you say, Dan, that gives them something to think about. And it then sets us up for that tie at Stamford Bridge really nicely where, you know, it's all on the line. And I think, you know, if you suddenly got two results in these next two games, I think those are the momentum builders that then see us push on for the rest of the season. Absolutely. Right, it's prediction time. So, Trev, I'll start with you. What do you think the score would be on Sunday? Oh, I'm going to go uh, 2-1 Spurs. Good choice. And James, yourself, mate? Uh, I'm going to go for 3-1 Spurs. Blimey. And Carl, what about yourself, mate? Cool. Well, I, I would have gone for the 2-1, to be honest. But I'll tell you, let's get it out there. I'll go 4-1. Oh, he's gone really big. Blimey. Okay. <laughs> well, no, it's nothing wrong with confidence. I'll go for a 1-0 win to us. So, away wins across the board. Chelsea, you have been warned. Right. That is pretty much the end of the show. Quick bit of admin. Need to thank my guests. Trev, another sterling performance. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'd like to come back between now and the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me again, guys. Not a problem, Trev. Thank you. James, thanks as always. If you do get to the game on Sunday, enjoy it and hopefully you come back to the show next week with three points. Absolutely. Thanks again, mate. And Cole, thanks for coming back after your scouting trip. I hope you enjoyed your trip to uh, Leipzig yesterday. Was it Munich? Yeah, I feel Joe saying, so we've got no problems in this next game. It is, it's as good as done now, Dan. Um, and yeah, looking forward to next week. Fantastic. Right, with that said, my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts. Download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.